Welcome to the Lulu Logic Podcast. I'm Nick Lewis. I'm your host. It's been a while, but we're back. And I just want to explain to you a little bit about why it's taken me so long to put out another episode. Well, one, I've been working on something very big behind the scenes that will be coming out shortly. So what I've done now is I've tailored it back to one podcast a week that I will be putting out, still with fantastic guests, just like today's guest, but it's going to go to one a week instead of two a week, and I hope that you continue to support my work and hear these great, great stories of these amazing individuals. Today's guest, no different. NCAA slam dunk champ, college football player, college basketball player, NFL, CFL. He's an all-star. This dude did it all. I used to call him Showtime because every time he was on the field, he was making some kind of highlight play. I won't tell you everything that he's done. Just hear it from him. Thank you for joining. Thank you for staying connected. And this is the Lulu Logic Podcast. Today's guest is from Atlanta, Georgia. Went to Tulane University to play basketball. Won the NCAA slam dunk competition and converted to football after. Went on to play in the NFL and the CFL as a defensive back. In 2006, he broke the CFL record for most return yards in a season with 348 yards. A 75-yard touchdown pick six when he broke the record. Finished his career with 29 INTs. Nine of them returned to the house for touchdown, which is also another CFL record. Also had two TDs from the wide receiver position on two catches. Mm-hmm. Was a three-time CFL All-Star. Welcome to the show, Byron Parker. What's what up, up Nick? What up, Nick? How you doing, man? I appreciate you having me today. Hey, man, I didn't know you scored two touchdowns from the receiver position. Actually, my first my first play. Football, pro football play was at the right wide receiver wide receiver position um, in Montreal. Damon Allen threw me a, a deep ball, and there was a touchdown. And my second one was uh, from Rocky Butler uh, in Winnipeg. <laughs> yep. Wow. So there was a lot of like you're when you look back at your career, winning the slam dunk competition, we'll get into and and everything else. It just seems like you were just like I'm an athlete. Plug me in and let me do work. So, so the story behind that nigga, if I'm being 100% honest, I thought I was going to be 6'6". Six, six, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Look, I, I swear, I thought I was going to be, I thought I was the next Michael Jordan. There's nothing, there's, no one could have told me that I wasn't going to the NBA and that I was, wasn't going to be 6'6". Six, six. Unfortunately, I didn't grow um, after, I believe, my junior year in college, high school, I apologize. And, uh, but I could always jump. I started dunking in the eighth grade. So I just assumed that I was just going to grow. You know, I heard Michael Jordan grew to 6'6 after his sophomore year. Scotty so Pippen. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm going to be 6'6. I got all the moves, all the MJ moves, but I didn't grow. And um, it's so funny that I actually played football my eighth grade year, and I was really good. My first play was the interception for a touchdown, right? So the right was on the wall. And then after the eighth grade season, we went to um, the high school workouts. And a good friend of mine, I hadn't seen him in about two or three years, Robert Carswell, he grew to be like 6'3", 220. He was a safety. And uh, they did the old school drill, the bull in the ring. Yeah. And the 
called this one dude's number and Rob was in the middle and Rob turned around, hit this tight end with his helmet. I told the coach, I won't be back tomorrow. I'll play back. <laughs> that was it for me. You know what I mean? Like, yo, this not for me. Like, this not for me. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I went on to play basketball and uh, got the two lane and won the dunk contest, got a couple of football calls from the NFL. And then um, Coach Selfo asked me to come out and play. And I was like, boom. And the rest was history. The rest was history. Here I am, 10 years pro football, a couple of records, a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, that's the story in a nutshell. Yeah, man, that's that's crazy when you look back over everything. Can you hear me? Yeah, man, that just seems like a lot of craziness going from football to basketball, then going to Tulane, doing the same thing, going from basketball back to football. Yep. But before we get there, what you been up to lately with COVID and everything else going on? What you been what you been doing? What's keeping you busy? Um, right now, I'm a teacher. Um, we're teaching virtually. I live in it. Like I said, I live in Atlanta. Um, I teach business. Uh, actually, I'm teaching uh, graphic arts right now so I'm, I'm, I'm teaching my kids how to use graphics uh, which kind of which is really really cool but it also kind of sucks just because the programs that we have in the building with the adobe suite we don't have on chromebooks right so i kind of oh. have to figure out a way to use um or teach them how to use or create graphics on a chromebook which isn't as good i mean it's good for like surfing the net and doing a couple microsoft word documents but um but yeah, that's what I'm doing, man. I actually uh, started a nonprofit organization called Hops. Um, that's what they used to call me when I played in Canada. They called me Hops, and they stand for helping other people smile. So we're just trying awesome. to get that launched off. Um, just trying to just you know help out young kids. Um, being a dad full time, you know, loving on my kids. My daughter, um, she'll be 16 in two weeks. So trying to get this taken care of as far as like getting her some type of sweet 16 party with the whole COVID thing. And more importantly, just try not to contract COVID, you know what I mean? Yeah. With everything that's going on. And then of course, you know, tonight is a big, 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 big day yeah. out here in the in the world. Um, it's so funny that I was, uh, I went to go pick up some breakfast and I saw a dude had a tank. Dude had a, he had a tank, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, dude had a tank, man, just like, wow. But um, yeah, man, so I'm just trying to stay busy, man. Just trying to teach kids and, you know, trying to, just trying to be a good person. Just yeah. trying to be a good person and just trying not to, you know, contract COVID, man. You know, it's just so, so, so crazy out here today. I think that's the biggest thing is I look at it as morals over politics. Right. And I feel like right now, so many people are looking at it, politics over morals. Mm -hmm. They're so looking at, oh, well, this person does this, this person does this, this person does this. And you're trying to find the evil in everybody instead of just going out and just say, you know what? Be a good person. Be a good person. Be passionate to other people. Right. Right. Because if I can do that, then you can always find common ground. Right. We don't have I to agree. There's there's every president before now has been a Republican or Democrat, but it's mm -hmm. never been this bad. Yeah, having some technical difficulties. I don't. I hate when that happens, but uh, you know that's what happened when you go live, 
you're yeah. susceptible to everything happening like that. But uh, you were just talking about the we're talking about the the situation in the government, Democrat, Republican, how mm-hmm. crazy everything is right now. I believe there's a bigger divide that's going to take longer to fix after these last four years. I agree. Um, I was just having a conversation with a good friend of mine. It's like, like, like you said, like we don't have to agree, but I still, I can still love you. Right. It's like, it's like saying, I was telling the guy I was, I went to go get a, um, I went to, I went to go I went to the gun shop the other day and uh, I had just voted and the guy asked me who I voted for. And he was a Trump supporter, which is totally fine. And I explained to him, like, just because I don't I don't agree with your political views don't mean that we have to hate each other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there's no difference than, you know what I'm saying, us disagreeing on whether if it's hot or cold outside. It may be hot to me. You may be cold. I, I could still love you regardless of our differences, right? Yep. And I think that, it, and it really is just that simple. You know what I mean? But, you know, like, I wish people, we I wish we all could just make it that simple, right? Just... I can I can love you, even though I don't agree with what the things you agree with. Yeah. Right. And that's just it. It's okay to disagree because you don't always agree with what your wife says or what your daughter says or or vice versa. Right. But that doesn't mean you love them any less. Um, but you know, like it sounds that right there just sounds like that's too simple for people to understand. Yeah, and it's a lot of like when you see him talking about he's going to declare victory early before all the votes are counted to create more chaos, um, different things that he does. And I, and I like, think I'm from Texas. I right. played football in Calgary for 11 years. So most of those people are Republicans. Right. I don't identify with either because I think we, sh- at this point in life, we should be looking for the best possible candidate. And I don't think we have it in either one of the two. Right. But at the end of the day, I will never say I'm voting Democrat just because I'm a Democrat. Right. I'm doing myself a disservice. Mm-hmm. Right. I, like, I, I'm not raising myself to be a Democrat or a Republican. I'm raising myself to try to have the best world possible. Right. Like, how can the U.S. be at the best? And the biggest thing with, for me about Trump is, it's not the fact of like all the stuff, like it's, it's just the fact of how you can relate to things being, I see people driving people off the road. I see people in these big trucks and doing things. And that's every image I've saw from the twenties, the thirties, the forties, the fifties, the sixties. Right. Right. When he said, yeah. make America great again, go back to that time. Well, look where we're at. Look where we're at. I the only thing that's different is you're not getting lynched at the end of the of the video. Right. But everything else is um, the same. Yeah. Like, like I was saying, like if, if we take the political the political aspect out, right? Everything else that he stands for, I'm just a, I'm against it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If, if it was just politics, if it was just pure politics, like you said, like both of these candidates are terrible. Yeah. Right? They're just both terrible. And I agree with that, but it's the extra stuff that Trump does. Because, like, let's be honest, like, he only cares about the upper one percent. That's it, right? And but still, like, some of us are still falling for his shenanigans, right? But like, truth be told, he doesn't care what color you are. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> he don't. <laughs> he, he doesn't care what color you are. You know what I mean? Like, he don't. He doesn't care. It's but um, you poor. 
if you're poor, you're poor. And, and he doesn't care. That's your fault. It doesn't matter, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, like I said, some of us are falling for shenanigans. And, you know, it, it sucks that that our world is where we're at, especially the U.S. Like, we're the laughing stock of the world right now. Yeah. And it's just like, yo, like, you know, I hit, I hit up my old barber in Toronto. I was like, yo, can you smuggle me across the border? You know what I'm saying? Not, <laughs> you just me across the border, man, because I'm coming. I'm coming on up. But, um, man, it's, it's, Nick, when I say, like, when I saw that tank today, I was like, yo, this is crazy. People out here driving tanks on the street. You know what I'm saying? And they're calling it, they're saying another civil war. Well, civil war was predominantly fought over slavery. Right. So to for people to say civil war, like you can't call it no other war. Right. You can't call it nothing else. But you want to call it a civil war right. because you're because you know the racial tension in it. Yep. Yeah. So that's one of the biggest things to me is like if you see all the racial tension and you know that it's going down this road, obviously you need to change directions. Gotta change direction, man. And uh like I said, we just fall for the shenanigans, man. And it's pretty bad that uh we are so weak-minded as a nation to fall for it. Because yeah. like I said, he doesn't care about them. You're not the top one percent. He don't care about you. And you you hear he you are supporting this man. Yeah. So we're gonna see. It's gonna be interesting. I'm ready for the night. You know, I'm sitting down on the floor right now, just in front of the television, and I'm I just can't wait to see what happens. Do you get um do you get better during COVID? Like, did you set some goals during COVID and- I did. It's so funny that um, I lost 40 pounds. Awesome. I lost 40 pounds. Um, so funny, man. I don't know what your big highest weight was, but I got on the scale probably about two and a half months ago. I was 266. Mm. I was a DN, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, was a, I was Miles Garrett over here. I was almost Aaron Donald. Six foot one, 270. Um, but a friend of mine that I went to college with, he posted something on Facebook and was like, who wants to lose 10 to 20 pounds before Labor Day? So I was like, I'll do. I said, but then like, is it crack? I said, because I've tried everything. <laughs> if you're going to be, just be honest with me, if it's crack and it's going to work, then I'll try it. And uh, so he assured me that it wasn't crack and I lost 40 pounds in about 60 days. That's so awesome. now I'm in, I'm back into large t-shirts and I'm probably the size I was in 20, 2010. Yeah, about 2010. Mm, that's so I'm, good. I'm a, I'm a good size. Yeah, man. Yeah. But I, yeah, I'm on that journey so, now, man. I gotta. Just try to, I didn't gave up drinking for a while. Okay. Uh, I didn't stop drinking for a little bit, and you know, one of the biggest things for me is like I don't eat a lot, but I I, I used to drink a lot, and yeah. it wasn't because okay. I had to drink. It, it's just because I drank. Yeah. Right. And um, yeah. that's just one of the biggest things for me. But, you know, sitting around at COVID, I got up to drinking like four bottles a week, a crown. Wow. And it was just like, it was just uh -huh. like crazy. But see, I don't get drunk. So you can ask Clay and everybody like, like, I don't get drunk. So like, yeah. I just drink, but I don't like, that's why I don't understand how people go out and get like sloppy drunk. And I'm just like, dude, what is wrong I with them? <laughs> right. like, like I could sit here and drink all night, have a good time. And you'd be like, I don't even know if Nick had a drink. Right. Okay. So it's not like I drink to the point I'm like sloppy drunk and right. doing that. It's just I drink casually and socially okay. and just 
I just can drink more than a lot of people. Yeah, you, you're a pro. You definitely <laughs> a pro. Yeah. But, because you know. I, anything other than Hennessy, Nick, man, like about two, three cups, I'm done. You know what I mean? I'm two or three cups, I'm done. Like, man, I couldn't do a whole bottle of Crown. I'd be, I would be so angry, such an angry person. Crown and tequila. Oh, <laughs> That's all I drink. Tequila? Yeah, I'm from Texas, man. I can drink tequila like it's water. Oh, no. I, I can drink tequila it. like water. I can put tequila on ice. Yeah, straight, man. No, I can't do tequila, man. That's just not That's just not my drink of choice. Like, See, I don't I do, do not... Hennessy. Really? See, okay. So when Cope and Rambo got to Calgary in 05, we would go okay. out and Cope would get a double Hennessy on the rocks. Yep. Ram get a double yep. Hennessy on the rocks. So they ordered me a double Hennessy on the rocks. Just that 2005 and Marte Jenkins, right? It was all four of us all the time. So it was like, you go to the bar, you just order four double Hennessy's on the rocks. Everybody took a turn paying or whatever. And that was pretty much the only time I really drank Hennessy. And it was like, I'm like, I got to drink before we get to the club. So I make sure <laughs> this Hennessy is going to be all right. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, I cannot do. I love Hennessy, man. I love Hennessy. Uh, my on whole rocks? Family. Yeah, on the rocks. Yo, my, oh man, my aunt can tell you, you don't mix good liquor, bro. Yeah. You don't pollute you don't your liquor. Good. Yo, let me ask you this. Where is Cope at? Cope in Tennessee. It's I haven't talked to Cope in so long. Uh, I think he's hiding out, man. I don't know. Uh, I got a funny story about Cope, too. Let's hear it. So, so Cope and I, when he played in Toronto, I didn't know Cope could hoop. Right? Yep. And uh, we got into this uh, league. And uh, shit, I think Cope was there, what, 2010? Was it 2011 Cope was there? Cope was there 2010, the first year in Toronto. Okay, so 2010. We played in this league. And, uh, you know, at this point, like, we're old. Considerably, like, we're old. And uh, we're playing on this team. And they got me and Cope guarding the two youngest dudes on the team. Right? So we get down. We go down. We get down. Halftime. Cope was like, all right, B, just give me the ball. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to get the ball. Swear to God. Cope went off for 40 in the second half. He didn't miss. Oh, my God. And I'm saying, Nick, when I say none of the shots he shot hit the rim, everything was the bottom of the net. He got high. He hit, I'm telling you, he went off. We came back and won that game. And after the game, I'm like, dude, you playing the wrong sport. That's as good as a football player you are, dude. You playing the wrong sport, dog. And he be talking, too. When he started oh, hitting, he be talking. Sound like Randy Moss too. Oh, he's so that dude's so fun. Yeah, yo, Colt can go, man. Colt was he was special on that court, man. Yeah, he was. Colt was, yeah. We That's one of the things up. about Colt, man. He's talking about going to North Carolina to play basketball or going to Tennessee to play football. Okay, and he chose I never knew that. and he chose uh, Tennessee to play football. He backed up Peyton Manning, and you know, one of the biggest things we used to play at this place called the Talisman Center in Calgary every weekend during the off season. Right. So me and Cope would go down and run. And like basketball is my favorite sport. And me and him, we'd get on a team and we would play for two or three hours, but we we would hardly ever lose. Right. Like you go to Calgary and ask people, like we would hardly ever lose. We went to Red Deer on a team and played in a tournament. Cope averaged like 31 a game. There's four games in two days. So think about this. Okay. We're just off-season workouts. And I think it's around – February, it wasn't warm outside. So it's like February, March. So we just started back really working out. Right. 
and we go to play these games and we only had 10 players, but we play these four games in two days. And the first game we're out there feeling great. Second game is kind of like, man, this is a, this is a push. Right. You know, you go to that hotel, spend the night next day, you wake up that next morning. I was like, man, I think I drank three Red Bulls to get ready for that first game. (laughs) (laughs) Cause I, man, I was out there like, man, I'm tired. And, uh, we end up winning the championship, uh, but I think I averaged like 18. Cope averaged like 31. We had another dude, yeah. Mike Myers, that averaged like 27. So okay. we was we was out there balling. And like I'm not a shooter. I can get to the rim. Okay. Yeah, me, I, me too. I can get to the rim. You know, I, the first time I dunked, I was five foot six. Yep. So in the ninth grade, and you know, they toss that thing up, bam, go get it. Okay. And uh, you know, I've been a jumper too. Yeah, you know, I don't hop like you do, but <laughs> I don't. I don't even hop no more, bro. I don't, you know what? I don't even hoop anymore. Um, really? I don't even. I don't. I don't even go to the court. I'm. A, I'm afraid of getting hurt. I just got I'm kicked a, out of a 35 and up basketball league here in Regina. Did you really? Yeah, I got kicked out. I got suspended for two years. Did you? Yeah, I'm way too competitive. Okay. And but yeah. I don't try hard enough to. Like in my mind, I'm really competitive, and when you start talking, I get yeah. really competitive. There you go. Yeah. But then my body's like, we're not out here for that. We out here to run around, have a good time. Right. But right. in my mind, I'm like, yeah. Oh, dude, I, I could destroy you if I want to play. It, right. And, and then I, you get um, to that, yeah. Yeah, I had a guy at LA Fitness one time. Like, he's like, you can't guard me. Why did you do this? <laughs> We were going. We were going to twelve. I gave him ten straight points, and I'm like, "Dude, you went to high school with my sister, so I know you're eleven years younger than me." You know what I mean? And I was like, "But the next day, I couldn't walk." Mm. <laughs> I was like, "Dude, you did too much, <laughs> too fast." So I was like, "Man, I I, I got to give up basketball, man. I just did. I don't want to get. I would be mad at myself if I went out there and got injured playing against some bums." Yeah. No, I, see, that's me too. I play low to the ground. I don't try to dunk anymore. I can, I, I can grab the rim off two steps. Okay. So I believe I can still dunk. Nick, how old are you? Thirty-eight. Okay, so yeah, so we get around the same age. I'm thirty. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's still saying a lot, man. That's still saying a lot, considering all the banging you took. I didn't take a banging. Like 14, 15 years and fourteen. But nobody hit me after I got bigger. Yeah. So like 2005, we, Nick, was the one you met when you first we started playing against each other. Yep. Was a yep. lot smaller at 205 yep. pounds. So once I got to 240, like nobody was hitting me. Right. The only punishment right. I took is really blocking defensive linemen and linebackers yep. in the box. We I remember playing against you guys. And I, I don't know if we got like a fumble recovery or a interception or it might even be an opportunity for you to crack back on me right and i was kind of new to the game so this had to be like 2006 2007 but you know that's when they had that controversial call went about this with the guy at edmonton yeah and you had an opportunity you had a you had a real shot on me you had me lined up and you just ran up and just grabbed me like that and i was like man i appreciate you so <laughs> i was like oh i appreciate you so much I appreciate you so much, which is funny though, because that same year we were playing Winnipeg and I had Milt, they, they ran it out. Milt was number three strong and they ran it out and I had him lined up. And I was like, yo, 
right before I made the right before I hit him or tackled him, I knew that I could take I could I probably could have ended Milt's career early. And but I just tackled him, right? Because I, I didn't I never yeah. was one, I never really understood how Dante how they how they went low, Dante and Sanchez. Yeah, because I was like, I was I, I was always afraid, and I'm not knocking them for that. I was always afraid of injuring the the receiver. Yeah. Yeah. Although we weren't teammates, we were still brothers, though. You know what I'm saying? I consider yeah. us to be family. And I was like, yo, if I get ran over, I just get ran over. I don't want to hurt the man. And um, I had milk lined up, man. And I but I didn't hit him. And he got up and he's like, man, thank you so much. To this day. So, but you know what I mean? That's that's one of the funny stories I remember. I was like, man, he could have just laid me out. And I think Jay Wild was like, hops. Nick took care of you. I said, yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> but see, I did that to a couple people, though. But like, I only hit people when you either there was too much talking going on right. or I needed to set the tone. Right. Cam Wake, I needed to set tone on first play of the game, first play of the season. Crack, crack block. Yeah. Uh, Peach, Greg Peach, out yeah. there talking, you can't block me. Just so happened the next play, you know, they called the a call for me to go and I smacked him. You know, uh, Zeke Marino was probably the only one, and that was just because the timing of the game when I ran a crossing route and had to come back on Zeke, and I I hit him. Uh, but that's probably the only one that I hit because, you know, BC be talking too. You know, yeah, the, yeah. when you got out there, you know, Corey's talking Corey, and Mars talking, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, RP yeah. over there. He, yeah. RP going to stand in the corner and talk. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yo. I tell people all the time, I tell RP and Billy Parker, man, y'all ruined my career. Y'all would have won that league. And I had to, because when I played well, especially out in BC, man, I didn't get a whole lot of work in BC because RP was over there. You know, they always say, say we they going to attack me and RP because, you know, me and RP weren't the most physical guys. Yeah. We would tackle you. We wouldn't necessarily hit you. We would tackle you. And they said, they're going to come at you. But so, I remember some one game, I didn't get a, I didn't get a tackle to the second half of the game. You know what I'm saying? It's just like when RP, he probably killed my career being out there with him. <laughs> him and Billy Parker, man, the last two years were terrible for me, statistically, right? Yeah. I'll never forget even uh, Wally Buono was like, he said, man, Parker, we can uh, find anybody to play field corner. And I took it personally. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you just go, Nick, we're in the middle of practice. We sitting on the sideline, all we uh, offense is doing their, doing their stuff. And I was like, Wally, what do you mean? Like you could find? I said, Wally, ain't nobody from the field corner done what I done. He said, we didn't say I didn't say we could get anybody to do it the way you do it. I said, but we can go get anybody to get field corner. Like, damn, you right, you right. Yeah. So you know what I mean? Like I felt some kind of way, but you know what I mean? Like that was Wally, straight up. Yep. No, and no disrespect, man. I, I appreciate it. But I think that's how it was viewed though for a long time. Is like yeah. anybody can do play field yeah. corner because. Really, that was your worst receiver was out there, and they just put him far away from the ball. And then, you know, guys like Ryan Thelwell started playing out there. Brett Ralph started yeah. doing some things. There's yeah. some guys yeah. that went out there yeah. that could really do well. That I think, now, I, think, I think me and Dwight came at a good time. Yep. A DA, like, you know, DA has he has all gears at field corner. Yeah. You know, throw that out route out there. Especially, I, I always like playing against the uh, quarterbacks that would come up from the NFL. Mm -hmm. I always thought that they were really, really, really good. And you go out there and they get the plan. And they went, I remember, you. do you remember, we played We played you guys. I think DA had got hurt. I think Bishop had got hurt. Mike McMahon was our quarterback. Yeah. He couldn't complete a damn screen pass, bro. 
Dog, like, dude, you are terrible, dog. No, <laughs> you are terrible, dog. Dude, you terrible. You can't even complete a screen pass, and you think because you came from this NFL, like you the shit. Nah, man. But um, yeah, that was like the league. I, you know, I watch the game now, and I, I like I didn't watch the game previously. I'll be honest. Before I started playing, but. I think the years that we played, man, it was some. It was have some good years, man. We had some good yeah. talent. It was a good. lot of great talent. Like, like you, you know, look at DB wise and receiver wise. Like yeah. every week, I was I was looking at a uh, interview the other day I did with Brandon Smith, and like every week there was, you know, you had yeah. D Strong and and Winnipeg with, I, with and, you uh, know, Terrence Edwards and Mill. You know, T Ray, we called Derek Armstrong T Ray. We went to the same junior college. So the same they, time? Yeah. So T-Ray, <laughs> right? So you know Strong. Big country, what they hey, call it. Hey, they put Strong in. Like, who the hell is Big Country? <laughs> and that man named T-Ray. Nick, straight up, we had a dude named Manuel McElroy. He was amazing. T-Ray, this was my freshman year, so he was a sophomore at TJC, where Jimmy Butler went, right? Yep. He came out for the basketball team. Derek Armstrong did. They said, we call him T-Ray. And... um he went at Mac, and he got fouled one time, and he threw the ball at the best player on the team. This man here crazy. This man here crazy. But he the truth. Lo and behold, man, got back up to Canada, man, and saw him. I was like, man, I cannot believe this T-Ray, man. This T-Ray right here. Nah, but yeah, we had, like you said, we, like you said him, Milk, Terrence Edwards. You had you, Rambo. Oh. Um, Coke. Y'all had y'all were y'all were so damn deep. Yeah, then you uh, in BC you had G Roy, G- Paris, G-Roy. and yeah. Claremont and yep. Edmonton Jason. had Tucker and Harvey, Harvey. Yeah, uh, Harvey and yeah, Harvey. What was the other guy's name? Big tall, all of them alone. Oh Brazel was in uh Winnipeg though, right? Brazel was in Winnipeg, Dominguez was in Winnipeg at the time. Um, I know at one point when Fred Sims came in and they had Kelly Campbell and Fred, yeah, Kelly was rolling. Yeah, he was. He was. He was a. He was a monster. He was just like he would just get up out of there. Um, Taz had the Air Force. Yeah, yeah. With Dressler and Fantuz and yeah, Bruce Miles, RJ, Tony Miles used to get it. Oh man. I mean, Tony didn't get nowhere near the respect that the work that he did. None. None. And then, of course, you know, Montreal had K-Watt, Jay Rich, Ben, all them. Um, (laughs) Was it Thyron Anderson? Thyron Anderson, Terry Vaughn. Man, they had a squad, dog. Like, like it was some good, man. It was some good. We had some good games. Yeah. You can just go across the border and just look. It's like, man, there's – like who who you want this week? I don't want none of them. Right. It was, it was always work. It was always work, man. It was always work. It was never a guaranteed win. I remember like even like Hamilton. I used to tell people like, man, we ain't losing to Hamilton. And all of a sudden, shit, the tide just changed. The tide just changed. It just happened so fast. Now I mean shit, now they balling. Yeah. You do you ever do you miss playing? Nope, not at all. You don't miss playing? Not at all. I miss I miss the competition, man. I still today I struggle with not having the competition daily. 
You know what I mean? Like that's the thing that I struggle with the most. Like every day, like I just miss the competition. I don't, I don't want to tackle. I'm not gonna lie, I don't want to tackle. But if I could just find, if I could replicate that competition every day, that would be, I would be a very, very happy person. I'm, I'm already naturally happy, but I need that competition. That's that's one of the hardest things is is when we look at the competition and the level of competition. Right. Right. Where you know you're preparing uh, to play against some of the best players in the world. Mm-hmm. Right. If you look at the NFL and CFL rosters, there's about 2,300 people. Yep. Right. You're playing against the best in the world. And you want to have that opportunity to go out there and just measure yourself. Right. One of the biggest things I found, I became a competitive board gamer. And I'm not, yeah, I'm not talking about like Monopoly and, and things like that, but like in-depth board games helps me be competitive because now it's not about winning and losing. You know, like when we play, if you lost three in a row, you start looking around the locker room like who going to disappear? Right, right, right. right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> hey, we lose yeah. another game, man. Like, somebody yeah. in this locker room leaving. Yeah, somebody gone. Like, y'all could be friends, but one of your friends going home. Yeah. Three, four in a row. So it's it's not the same there because you get the – but you still get the competition, mm-hmm. right? And I play video games. You play video games? I do. But I, right now I'm in the process of getting my doctorate degree. Awesome. I don't have a whole lot of time to play no games. Plus, yeah. my PlayStation died on me. That's so why you need like, the Xbox. So do I do I need to buy another PlayStation or do Xbox. I need to wait five come out? Xbox. Xbox. Oh man. Xbox, well, where's that, man? You are Xboxer. I, you know what? I might I got get big them. hands, might... man. PlayStation controller's too small. You're right. I agree. I, I, now, at... <laughs> yeah. I guess now you can cross play because I'm a call of, I love Call of Duty. Really? Uh, I love Call of Duty. And uh so now that you can cross play, I guess it really doesn't matter. What yeah. system you so I'll probably get my son. I hope he doesn't. Well, I hope he doesn't listen, but I'll probably get him the PS5 for Christmas. And I'll probably get oh, that's him. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Growing up in basketball, like, did you play other sports? You run track? You do anything else? Yeah, I ran track um, my junior and senior year. One state my junior year in track. And, and what? Got, um, well, we won overall. I got um, so funny. My junior year, I got eighth place. In the uh, 100 <laughs> with a 10.65. Wow. <laughs> you talking about? In Atlanta? They had a dude named Clint Crenshaw, went to Southwest of Cal. I don't know where Clint is at right now, but he was, I mean, he ran a 10.3. Mm. Uh, Mike Carroll played, uh, Mike Carroll was there too. Batman. I think Batman, I believe, uh, Mike might have been a sophomore at the time. Oh, you talking about, man? Oh, I never forget. Who is this Batman guy? Yeah, I saw this. <laughs> y'all call this man Batman already? Like, man, that dude got in them blocks and took off. I was like, oh my god, he could roll. He was special. He was yeah. special. Like, Crenshaw was special. Like, yeah. So we went. We, we won state. And um, actually, I got a lot of track offers, scholarship offers, but they told me that I couldn't play basketball for two years. Oh so wow. Actually, yeah, Miami, Ole Miss, Seton Hall. Uh, I think I got a couple offers from Tennessee. But when they said basketball, I was off the table. I was like, no, nah, I can't do it. Um, but yeah, like, so I, I ran track to play basketball, man, my whole high school career. I should have played baseball, though. I was actually a better baseball player than I was in any other sport. Really? Right? But, but I, I think I have an ADHD. Never been diagnosed. That's self-diagnosed. But 
baseball is too slow for my mind. You know, what yeah. I mean? I'll be out there in the outfield doing Michael Jackson moves and <laughs> dancing. <laughs> and I think the last time I got hit by a pitch, I just told my mom, "That's it." That's uh, that's how my baseball career ended. I played. Uh, I was on the JV team my freshman year, and you know they wanted me to move up to varsity and. Uh, after that year for the, my sophomore year. But then I got hit in the calf and yeah, it, it was over. I went from yeah. like second or third in the lineup to to last. Yeah. I like, coach, look, I'm done. I, I don't, yeah. you don't need me up there. Yeah. So yeah, that, that, uh, the baseball thing, not knowing what I know now though, I probably would have stuck with it. Yeah. I was really good at baseball. Been able to steal bases, been able to go field and yeah. Mm-hmm. Like with your hops and your explosiveness, like you'd have been, Great center fielder. Yeah, I should have I should have stuck with it. I should have stuck with it. I probably still been playing to this day. That's it. Maybe. What's Maybe. your favorite part of basketball? So funny, man. I, I love I love the guard. I love the guard. Like I because I I was a dunker, right? Yeah. So in my mind, I figured if I as, if I can get as many steals as I can get, I can get all the dunks I want. And. Uh, <laughs> So I always took it upon myself just to lock somebody down and try to get as many steals as I could and uh, get all the dunks, man. I, I love the guard. I love the guard. Like, I loved it. And I I, took, I, I accepted the challenge, too. I accepted the challenge of, of locking down the best player on the team. You know, yeah. it didn't always happen, but I was really good at the guarding. I was really good at guarding. Um, and then dunking. I'm going to tell you what, though. Knowing what I know now, I passed way too much in high school. You know what I mean? Yeah. Didn't care that I could go get twenty. Sometimes they want to see it all the time. Yeah. And I think one of the things I fell into the trap of is playing on a team with my friends. And, and you want everybody. I want everybody to get the shine versus just going for mine, which is you know, which is fine. I'm totally cool with it. But knowing what I know now, I probably passed too much. And I, I remember a conversation my coach had with me. He was like, "Yo, if you don't shoot the ball twenty to twenty-five times a game." We don't have a chance. But I'm like, coach, I can't. Like, I'm playing ball with my boys. Yeah. You know what I mean? I can't ball hog in front of my boys. These are my boys. Like, I got to see them outside of practice. You're not hanging out <laughs> with them, right? Kind of like how Day Day told Craig, like, you don't live here. You don't you live here. <laughs> you don't live here. I got to kick it with these dudes outside of outside of school. So I got to be passing the ball. And, um, you know, that was part of it. And I'm, I'm okay with it today. But knowing what I know now, if I had to tell my old self, if I could go back in time and tell my young self something, so yo, don't you don't pass the ball so much. I think it'd have made a difference too if if social media was around then. Oh, Nick. Right, because if social media is oh. around, then it changes your whole outlook. Like I'm out yeah. here trying to get TikToks and make make videos. Yeah. Right, yeah. I, yeah. I got a YouTube yeah. page. I got a yeah. huddle. I, you know, it changes right. your whole mentality of being seen. Right. Than it does back then, because I really truly believe that had had we had TikTok and Instagram and stuff like that when we were young, like in our early teens, my life trajectory would have went somewhere else. See, I don't think I would have. I don't think I would have succeeded. No, I got fined too much off Twitter when I played as an adult. Imagine me being in college or high school. Yeah. I guess. I mean, like the responsibility know, of it, though. The responsibility like, was probably different, too, though. But you, know, yeah. you had your parents to watch, kind of watch what you say and things like that. But I just think just that I'm talking, I'm just talking about just pure video. Oh, yeah. Not, not you know, like just yeah. pure like highlights and stuff. 
Like, if oh, yeah. I wish I, I still wish I had some of my old highlights of the things I've done. You know what I mean? Like, I know like some of the dunks I've caught off the rim. You know what I mean? I wish I had that. Yeah. Today. I was um, gonna ask you, what was your favorite dunk that you did? My favorite dunk, man. I got a. I have this old video cassette tape of me doing this windmill TJC, and I think I end up putting it up on my Instagram. Um, I stole the ball and I'm coming down the left side of the floor and I take off and I do this windmill and it's, and it's like the perfect windmill, you know what I mean? It's like it's like low, it's long, and my legs cross at the end. It's just, I think the, my windmill is probably like my favorite dunk. I love doing windmills. What's um, your favorite dunk you've ever seen? That's a hard one. I've seen some. I've seen some really good. I think my favorite one is that Michael Jordan one when he dunked on Patrick Ewing. Oh, when he went and he went, went and turned around and came, and came back. back. Yeah. Oh man! Because <laughs> I'm like, how did he? How did he not go out of bounds? Right, and then just to go up on Patrick Ewing, it's like, oh, like he got up so quick. Oh, he was so quick off the ground. He was so quick off the ground. So I think if I had a favorite dunk, I think that's my favorite dunk right there of all time. When I look back at basketball, the pre-90s or pre-2000s basketball, it seemed like almost everybody was a specialist, yeah. right? Mitch Richmond, uh, yeah. you had Chris Mullins, you had Dana Barrows, you had all these guys that were three-point shooters. That's all they did. Yeah. Pages Stoyakovich, come in and shoot threes, right? Yeah. So all you are is a specialist. You had dunkers that could come in and dunk. You had power forwards that came in and rebound and were physical. You had centers that could score and, and play some defense. Now everybody kind of can do a little bit of everything. Right. When you look at that mix, I think players back then were, were better, but I think okay. players now are more athletic and it I makes agree. it look, it, it's more exciting because they're more athletic. Yeah. I don't think they're better basketball players. I don't either. I, I I I remember watching, looking at some highlights of a game. I don't even think we were born at the time, Nick. It was an old game. I think it's about it's like the Suns versus somebody else, and I they shot like eighty percent. Like both teams shot like eighty or like seventy eight percent. It's some ridiculous thing. I'm like, yo, like these dudes, they didn't miss. Like they just didn't miss, and um, <laughs> even. Like you said, like Dana Barrows, you know, who remembers Dana Barrows? You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, um, but you know, like Chris, Chris Jackson or Mike Mood Abdul Raouf, like yeah. he was a you know what I mean? Like, then you got like, of course, you got like Jordan and Dominique and all the people, the ones that people know, but like Mark Price was a dog. Mark Price. <laughs> and yeah. I didn't even remember Craig Elo. how good Craig Elo was in that yeah. Cleveland team. They had Larry Nance and Brad Doherty and yeah, they had a squad. You know, I I look at it the Portland Trailblazers back then with Jerome Kersey. Oh, then Kevin Duckworth, Cliff Robinson, Terry Porter, Terry Porter, Clyde, Clyde Drexler. And people talk about super team, though. That's a super team. That's a super team. Yo, that Portland Trailblazers team was a super team, bro. Like all them, all them ballers. Even Magic, you know what I'm saying? Kareem, Magic, um, Worthy, Dennis, uh, Dennis Scott. Michael Thompson, yeah, you Michael got, Thompson, um, Byron Scott, Michael sorry, Cooper, Michael Cooper, Byron Scott, Michael Cooper, yeah. all those guys. That's a squad. You know what I'm saying? That's a squad. 
the Orlando Magics in the 90, 94 mm-hmm. with Penny, yeah. Nick Anderson, Dennis Scott, Shaq, and Horn. Yeah. Like, come on, man. That's a super team. That's a super team. That's a super team. That is a super team, man. Like You had two 40% three-point shooters. You had right. one of the most yeah, athletic point guards. Ever. <laughs> and you had most the most dominant player to probably ever play the game. Shaq. Come on, man. On one team. Like, That's what people don't understand. Like, back then, like, I think guys were better one through five, more rounded. But now yeah. guys are so athletic. Right. Because you put LeBron on the court with AD, LeBron AD out there. Now it doesn't matter who the other three guys are. It doesn't matter. Because right. now the NBA is get, all it is is whoever got the worst defender on their t- uh, guarding them, run up here, run a little pick on LeBron, get yeah. the switch, yeah. let LeBron just, go against the worst player on the court. Right. Because AD is just Magic and Kareem again. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like Magic and Kareem. Y'all can say it's a super team, but Magic had the number. He Kareem scored the most points in NBA history. How is that not a disadvantage for everybody else? Yeah. Nobody has been able to stop the sky hook ever. No. Celtics not had good. six six Hall of Famers on one team. Oh, the Celtics, man. Six <laughs> Hall of Famers on one team. That's a super team. <laughs> Mikel. You know what I'm saying? Harris, Ainge. Ainge. That's a super team. It's a super team. You know what I mean? So, you know, I, I feel like LeBron gets a bad name. And I know I, I could talk basketball all day. Um, but to me, man, like Mike had to go through it. Like even Isaiah Thomas, like all them dudes had nicknames. Joe yeah. Dumas, the microwave. Come on, man. He ain't the, the microwave Johnson. No reason. You know he come like, off the bitch hated. Off the bitch. <laughs> There's nobody in the league that does that right now. Comes off the league and tied. Right? No. So, well, I guess it would be Jamal Lou Crawford Will. or Lou Will Jamal or Jamal Crawford. Crawford. Lou Will. They come yeah. on. They probably they could probably have that name. But then they uh, take out the starters, and it's so crazy. Like when you have a great score that's like not actually almost a great player, you're like, okay, you're gonna be our sixth man. So now we can bring out our starters or two of our starters. You go in and shoot as much as you want. All you want. All you want. We'll just put you a defensive lineup around you and then you just go shoot. You just go shoot. You're gonna get your 25 because ain't nobody else on the court shooting. Right. Even even but you remember, even look at I was I was looking at a highlight clip of Larry Johnson today. Mm. And Alonzo Morning, Kendall Gill, Muggsy Bowles. You know what I'm saying? Like Percy Hawkins. That's a squad. Hey man, look. What about the Seattle uh, Supersonics? Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, Detlef Shrimp. Detlef Shrimp, come on, man. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Detlef Shrimp, bro. Indiana Pacers. Indiana Pacers. Mark Jackson, Reggie Miller, Dale Davis, Antonio Davis, Rick Smiths. That's a squad. Chris Mullen. Like, come on, man. All of super teams. That's super team. That's that's what I tell people. Like, I don't care. Like, you can send some of these guys back. Like, if you send that Cavaliers team back, LeBron went eight years in a row with, they're not making it to the championship. They're not making it to the championship. They may not even make the playoffs. Come on, man. LeBron took Booby Gibson, Zeke Gauskas, uh, Damon Jones. And people, think it's, and people think it's a, a disrespect to LeBron, but, I mean, it's the truth. He's not taking those guys to the playoffs in that era. No, no. He's not, and like you said, but he's still he's still great. It's not a disrespect to him because that really proves your point. How good, how much skill they had back then versus do they do now? 
Yeah, they had skill. Like, cause even like the the dude, the, your worst player in the starting five, still had a skill set. Yeah, he wasn't just a rebounder or a passer. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, he, he had a skill set. So, yeah, I, I agree with that, man. I just think they were they were more skillful back then when we were younger than they are today. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that's another thing for Jordan is his team wasn't an all star team. Like he had three people, four people at one point. Um, right. You know, you give him, you give him Dennis Rodman and Tony Kukoc. I mean, I like Ron Harper. I, I like that matchup versus today's Warriors or the Warriors of two years ago. If you put I'm Ron like Harper, the '96 Bulls team. Yeah, if you put Ron Harper, uh, Jordan Pippen, uh, Rodman, and Kukoc on the floor at one time versus yeah. the Hampton Five of the Golden State right. Warriors. Yeah. That'd be a great fourth quarter. Yeah, but what about the the '91 Bulls, the '92 Bulls, or the '93 Bulls? We had Scottie Pippen. Now, I'm not yeah. saying Paxton and Horace Grant and Bill Cartwright were slouches, but like, look at look at let's look at Jordan team for real. Yeah, and especially yeah. compared to the rest of them, like those Pistons like, teams, the like the all Pistons those teams, teams, the Lakers, the Celtics, even the Suns, the even Suns when they beat the Suns. Dan Marley, Richard <laughs> Newman, Kevin Johnson, Johnson Charles Barkley. Barkley, uh Cliff Robinson. Well, no, Cliff Robinson wasn't there, was he? Cliff Robinson. He wasn't. I don't know if they had uh, Oliver Miller he then was, or not. He was he was still with Portland then in '93. No. But you know what I'm saying? Like that Sun squad was Danny Ainge. They had a squad. I mean, they had a squad in '93, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like we discredit Jordan a lot, man. I'm a Jordan fan. I mean, I named my daughter after him. You know what I mean, but yeah. Is there anything they LeBron could do up. to surpass Jordan? Is there anything? Yeah. No, not as far as being the goat. But now, LeBron might be the best player to ever play in the back in the game. Yeah, best player, like all around player. He the hands down. Jordan was a killer though. But even like, after even LeBron like, had one Defensive Player of the Year, did he have one? No, you said he no, hasn't. He hasn't. No. And Jordan did. Yeah, that's that's a wrap. LeBron, he'll never get it. And LeBron will probably never get another MVP either. Even though he probably should have won it probably three times previously to yeah. now. Um, but, you know, we could say the same thing about Kobe. There yeah. wasn't one time in the world that Steve Nash was better than Kobe two years in a row. Not a chance. Not a chance. Not a chance. But, um, no, nah, man. And I'm, I'm a big LeBron fan too, but LeBron, will, in my eyes, would never be able to pass Jordan. As being the goat, now he's probably the best player. Yeah, he's probably the best player to ever do it. Yeah, he's uh very exciting. Like I said, once you put that athletic ability to it, it just changes the whole game. But you look at you look at technology now, the way that he's able to take care of his body. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at the the things that he has available to him now that wouldn't have been available to him thirty years ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Those are those are big differences. And yeah, LeBron different. without a jump shot is, is basically Grant Hill. Yeah, because like even like you if we were playing now, like let's say COVID doesn't happen, like we were probably well, you played you played fourteen years, you played a long time. But you know, I'm I'm sure a lot of our careers would have lasted longer. In this era. In this era. So okay. so my last year was seventeen. So that's one of the things I talk about quite often is it's not physical anymore and the right. game has changed to a more finesse game. 
Mm-hmm. I've seen receivers that couldn't get a thousand yards before they changed the rule in 2013. I think was the when rule change here. When you couldn't, when you couldn't touch them at the five yards. Yeah, now they're getting thousand yards on on. Like I'm like, this dude played six years, couldn't get a thousand, and now all of a sudden he's getting thousand, thousand, thousand. Right, 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 right. I went out and I put up 1150 in year 13. Right. In this, you know, what I'm saying because it's it's just a change of the game. It's almost like the hand check rule when Jordan now goes and scores 22 and averages 31 his last 30 games as a pro at 40 years right. old. Yeah. You can't yeah. put your hand on me. Oh, I can take that one dribble pull up all day. All day. All you can't day. stop it. Yeah. He uh-uh. shoots it 100 times. He he's scoring 100 points. I, I you know what, nigga, and I'm glad you said that because I forgot all about that. Them changing that rule because I remember you. You remember he's better get set off at at ten and play cover two. Yeah, catch him, catch him at ten. What? <laughs> and if they, they ain't throwing the ball your way, yards. if they ain't throwing the ball your way, the refs ain't throwing the flag. They're not. They're not throwing the flag, man. And, and you're right. I, I never and I never thought about that until you just said that. That's a lot of guys that probably would not get a thousand yards. But that also lets you know how special a guy y'all were. With, with being able to get a thousand yards with all of the hand checking that we were still able to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Back then versus how it is today. Yeah. Cause, uh, cause I did what a thousand, my first nine. And then in my 10th years when I broke my leg and I think only two people got a thousand that year. Right. But I think 27 starting quarterbacks that year because everybody got hurt. But then they were like, well, we got to pick up the offense, so we're going to change the offense rule. I'm like, no, you got to change the – if you want to help the help out the offense, keep the quarterbacks healthy. Yeah. How are you going to keep right. the quarterbacks healthy? Well, you got to figure out these tackles that are Canadian trying to guard these American defensive ends like Charleston Hughes and DeGarrett Davis and, and these guys that are now 240 and not right. 265, 270. Yeah. And they're super quick. They got spin moves and doing all this yeah. stuff like – that's the only way you can protect the quarterback. Man, Charleston Hughes. Funny fact about Charleston and I, we were roommates in Philadelphia uh, 2009. Really? Let me tell you what we had. We had a foam roller. We had two air mattresses. We had a TV and an egg box. That was <laughs> all we had. <laughs> Yo. We lived in an apartment, you know, like, well, when I was in Dallas, they would give us um, money for food and we would get paid for our workouts. Yeah. They didn't give us money for food. They only paid us for our workouts. So we were only making $400 a a week. Right. But they also told Charleston and I that we couldn't come into the um, lunch to the cafeteria and eat for free. Right. And if you don't like, I'm telling you, Next time you ever talk to Charleston, he's ever on here, ask him about this. They tried to charge us to go into the facility to the in the cafeteria in the in the Philadelphia Eagle facility. They tried to charge us to eat. Why is that? I don't know. They said that we weren't, they said that that right there is not part of us being on the team. I promise you. I promise you, yo. We because we were bringing food back to the crib. Right, we weren't making no money. Yeah, you know, we had we had some CFL money. But that's how the rookies. That's money. how the rookies do it, man. They, every time, let me get that to go plate. Right, but I thought the cafeteria was for us. Nah, they were saying the uh, they they were trying to charge us for to eat into in the in the cafeteria at the Philadelphia Eagles facility. That's crazy. Crazy story. Yeah, that's crazy. 
That is crazy. And, and I read a story about that Eagles. They wanted you to gain weight. So Nick, so when I got to Philadelphia, I was I was already considered to be a big corner. Yeah. Right. Two twenty. When I got to Philly, they wanted to move me to strong safety, which was to me was crazy because they already had Quinn Michael there. Yep. Right. But they all had Asante Samuels over there, so I was like, "Well, shit, he got corner lock on the on the, you know, what I'm saying left side." So the last one was Sheldon Brown. Sheldon Brown was, you know, he wanted to get traded because he was he was in the contract here. I guess I don't know what was going on with him, but um, so you only had one spot available. Brian Darkins had just retired. So they they had draft, you know, they had Quentin Dips at free safety. So they already had their secondary set. And so they had me start lifting with the linebacker. I'm like, yo, y'all, like, I'm a, I'm a corner, man. I'm a corner. I'm not a like, I'm a corner. Y'all got me in here like uh incline pressing like 260. I'm a corner. Why ain't working out at the corners? Why ain't doing the cornerback workout? Nigga, I blew up to like 239. I was fast, I was still kind of nimble but i was like yo this not this it's not the move i was just too big and so what they would have me do they would have me go work out with the tight ends and they go oh well you're a corner you need to go over there and work out the cornerback i'm like damn y'all don't put 20 pounds on me you know what i'm saying and now i gotta lose weight to get back to corner weight so i'm kind of glad the philadelphia eagle thing didn't work out um i end up getting into it getting into it with the db coach he's you know man like it's one of the things where we already, people already don't, I ain't gonna say they don't respect it, but they thought the CFL was kind of a joke. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm one of them people that, you know what I mean? Like, like CFL raised me, right? Yeah. I'm a CFL player. They raised me, I taught, like I learned so much about, and that's why I grew up to be a man. Um, in the Canadian football league, so when a dude, one of the, one of uh the fans, we had fan day, brought a picture of me in my Argonaut uniform. Yeah. And um, they asked me to sign one, and they gave me one. So I was like, cool, I'll give you, I'll sign one. And they gave me one, I put it in my binder. And, you know, like, I was I was 28 at the time, so I was, shit, I had just come off, I had just set some records. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I was older. But I still, I sat in the front, I sat in the front because I was new. And um, I forgot his name. First name was Brian, I forgot his last name. He, uh, he's up there. He's the DB coach now. And um, he um, took the picture out, put it on the overhead projector, and bust out laughing, talking about, man, what the hell is this? I'm like, what? I said, what do you mean, what is that? He said, why you, what, what is this? This ain't no real football. Nick. Oh, when I say I, I was snapping on him, I was like, well, this is something you've never done. You got this job and you ain't never played. You can't even. <laughs> and, it's, and it's so funny, Nick. It's so funny. What's so funny about that story is earlier that day, he told Asante Samuels to do something. And Asante, Asante was like, show me how to do it. He couldn't do he it. Couldn't. He couldn't. I'm like, dude, you can't even show the best player on the team how to backpedal. You're going to ask this man to do something. You can't even show him how to do it. You ain't never played. Teach it from a book. So the next day, Marcus Stigpen and I, he was on the team. We were in coverage too. Um, what's the what was the backup quarterback's name there? Kyle um in uh in Philly? Philadelphia. Kyle something. Anyway, we were doing like twos versus like whatever. Stigpen was on the line, we were in cover two. 
I jam thick paint, he grabs my face mask and pulls me down, but I, I spin around and knock the ball down because Kyle threw the ball to the flat. Yeah. The DB coach walks on the field trying to cuss me out. So at this point, he had already tried me the night before. You're going to dish me now. I'm yell at me. And, you, and clearly the dude put my face mask, which is fine. Like, I'm not mad. I wasn't mad at Big Pen about it. Like, I made the play. Andy Reid's like, BP, just go to the other side. It's all good. They cut me for Vic after we played the Patriots on Thursday night, preseason. They brought Vic in. Marcus. They cut me. They cut me on Friday. No, Michael. Michael. Vick. Okay. Yeah, they cut me, which is cool. I would have cut me for Vic too. That's yeah. Vic. You know what I'm saying? Being and being, I'm from Atlanta. I get it. Yeah. They cut me for Vic. I went to turn in my playbook. The dude wouldn't even look me in my eye and wouldn't even shake my hand. Right? I get up, I drive up to Toronto that night. Howie Rosen calls me back. He's like, hey, we want to bring you back. What? Y'all want to bring me back? You just cut me. I just drove to Toronto. So I was like, you know what? Let me talk to my agent. My agent called me. I talked to my agent. I said, well, give me till Monday. I talked to Adam Reed. I'm like, look, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go. That's, that's toxic for me. Yeah. Plus, I think Charleston had gotten hurt, too. So I know he wasn't going to be playing. He had gotten hurt. I just tell, tell him I ain't coming back, man. They called me Monday, man. I told him, I'm not going back. I don't want to come back. And that was it. What was the process of getting your body back ready for the CFL since you had got up to 239? Nigga, I came back to Toronto. That's when they had Bart Andrus. Yeah. And when I got there, I took every rep. Scout team, every rep. I took every rep. That was just um, you wanting to get, get back right? or Yeah. But that's something that I had always done, too. Like, as a rookie, you know what I mean? Like, I played, took every offensive scout rep and every defensive scout rep. So I practiced all day as a rookie. Right, mm. which is fine. Like I was a football player or I was a basketball player just trying to learn the game. I figured the best way for me to learn is to play. I would go both sides. So I had a blue jersey and a white jersey. And um, so when I went back, that's what I did. I did defensive scout, offensive scout, and I, I ended up losing the weight. But then I got traded. So what was your favorite city to play in? I love Toronto, but the city. My Montreal is beautiful, dog. Y'all yeah, know yeah. you know. I lived on Saint Cat, nigga. <laughs> nigga. I lived on Saint Cat. I live right. I, I live on Saint uh, President Denis. Okay, I live right there across the street from the Canadian Tire. On the end President of Kennedy. Cat. Sorry, I, I live on okay. President Kennedy, which is like two blocks up. Okay. So you know, right where the Jazz Festival is and everything, yep. I was like yep. a block from that. Oh man, Montreal was beautiful. Right, I was like across the street from the uh, the the train, the metro. Yep. So yep. it was. It took me literally 15 minutes to walk across, get on the metro, and get to the facility. Yeah, man. I, I love Montreal. Montreal was beautiful. It was Montreal was beautiful. Yeah. I don't like Toronto though. You don't like Toronto? I don't like. No. I, like I mean, I just feel like Toronto's like being in the U.S. Almost. It is. It is. It's a clean New York. But yeah. I always tell. You. But Montreal is beautiful, man. I, I love Montreal. I love it. Very beautiful city. And like I said, I know you know. Um. Yeah, Montreal got to be probably one of my favorite cities. When you were growing up, did you always have in your back your mind? I know earlier you said you were, you know, you wanted to be six six and go to the NBA. Did it ever change to I just want to go pro? Like once you won the slam dunk contest 
and you start to get some NFL interest or some football interest, what got you back into the football? And was it, I can go pro in football more than I think I can go in basketball? Okay, so one, I always wanted to be a professional athlete. Yeah. Right? That was always a dream of mine, whether it be basketball, soccer, baseball, whatever. Like, I just wanted to be like, you know what? I wanted to be a professional athlete. Um, and so when I was at Tulane, I remember a guy, he would come up and watch us play. He was like, yo, you're not a basketball player. What am I? Like, yeah, you're a corner. I got a, I got a, I got a scholarship offer out of high school to go to PSU, Tennessee State okay. University. Um, coach came up there. The head coach came up there to see some of my um, classmates, and he asked, he asked the football coach who's the best athlete in the building. He's like Byron Parker. So the dude came to my locker. He's like, are you Byron? I was like, yes, sir. We want to offer you a scholarship to play football at Tennessee State. I'm like, what? I don't play football. Like, my homeboy cracked to do another dude's helmet in the head. I'm not playing football. Um, but once I realized that people started seeing me as a DB and I realized I wasn't going to be 6'6", and then people told me, I always thought I was short, you know, six foot. It was like, well, as a corner, you're tall. You're a tall corner. And then, of course, Brandon Browner came and just, just killed yeah. him. Him and Lenny Wall. Yeah, him and Streets. <laughs> um but they was like, yo, and for a DB, you know what I'm saying, with your athleticism, like you would be tall and really, really athletic. And so I just started really considering, like, maybe this could be something that I can do. And then after the dunk contest, when the, the first call that I got was from the New York Giants, I'm like, well, I know I don't play football. That's like, yeah, but your, your speed and your height would translate to the football field really well. And that was the first time that I really thought, like, yo, this might be an opportunity for me to um, go play football. So I, after I won the dunk contest, I um, I had a, I had a sports hernia, but I also had a, a European workout set up, and um, I went to that and I got an offer to go play Puerto Rico for sixty thousand. I was like, at the time I think, well, I probably can go make more money than that in the NFL because I've gotten NFL calls. Yeah. So I decided not to go take the job in Puerto Rico and I decided to try football and uh, Jacksonville signed me. Jacksonville signed me after the, after my football season. And funny, my first play, one of my, well, my, the last play, you know, on senior night, they let all the seniors start. Yeah. Playing uh, Eric Taylor at East Carolina and the quarterback tried to throw, I was in cover three, I was playing a nickel. They had me dropping in the flats. And uh, he tried to throw a ball in my head. I jumped up and caught it one-handed and returned it to the five-yard line. And after that, Coach Steph was like, man, you just brought your own ticket to go to the league. Which was funny because when I got to Jacksonville and Jacksonville signed me, I was terrible. I could run straight, <laughs> right? No I, could run, I could cover. I could cover a goal route. Like, you know, like they were all impressed when I got out there with Jimmy Smith. I could cover. But when them little shifty dudes started getting out there and they got the leaning on me, and I'm thinking, oh, they going, they they about to run it out. He leaning. Now he set me up to run the dig. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was terrible. Nick, I was terrible. Oh, it was terrible. Like I was like, yo, like, I can't do this. Like these and not to mention, like, at the time in 2004, Jacksonville's one of the best defenses in the league. Yeah. Like, dog, I find with the best defense in the league. You know what I mean? But the guys, man took me under their wing, which is something that I've been so blessed to have, even when I got up to Canada, like Jordan Younger, AJ, yeah. 
you know, um, Kenny Wheaton, Chuck Winters, Cliff Ivory, Alana Steinau, Michael Shea. Like, them guys took me under the wing and taught me the game. And they taught me they taught me so much. They taught me how to be a man. They taught me how to be a professional. They taught me the game of football, man. And that's something I will always be grateful for them about. Um, and then, like, you know, like, they, I learned the game in 05. Got a shot to go play at Dallas. And um, came back to the CFL. And then it was it. Yeah. You went back and forth a couple times. Yeah. Was it just something in you that just – that you just wanted to play in the NFL or did you just never feel – like, what was it that made you – because I remember I got, like, 12 offers in 2006 and I stayed in Canada. Nick, which I wish I would have done, right? I yeah. wish I had done that. The reason why I went to um, Dallas, Pinball and Rita sat me down. It's like, yo, you got to take this opportunity. Why? I just had a really good year. You know what I'm saying? Or I, well, I didn't have a really good year before then. I was, but I was just trying to figure it out. Yeah. Starting, starting to figure it out in 2005. It's like, yeah, but you got to take this opportunity because there's so many guys that want this opportunity. It would kind of be frowned upon if you didn't take the opportunity because you could always come back here. Mm. So I was like, yeah, like, I don't want to leave home. This is home. Like, I don't yeah. want to leave home. And so they, you know, they kind of made it to where, like, yo, if you leave, you come, you always come back. So you're not losing anything. Take the opportunity. So that's what I did. I took the opportunity. And um, it's not something that I regret. It's not something that I necessarily wanted to do. Right. Because yeah. I never had dreams of playing in the NFL. Like, I was straight where I was at. Yeah. I kind of found a home. I found a group of guys that embraced me. Um, enjoying life. I was enjoying, like, I wasn't making no money, but I wasn't doing it for the money. You know, making like fifty-five thousand dollars Canadian. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like thirty-five grand. But you know, I was enjoying life. Like life was good. Like I was fulfilling the dream. Like I said, I was with a good group of guys. But um, and when two thousand eight rolled around, you know, we had a terrible year. <clears throat> I had a lot of teams interested, but then again, I, I didn't want to go. Like I was straight yeah. at this point. Like I was kind of like a one of the big dogs. Yep. And um, they said, yo, you got to take the opportunity. Adam Reed again. I'll just take the opportunity, man. You can always come back. So I left. I didn't want to, man. And, uh, you know, but it was all good. Less life lesson. I learned a lot. Met a lot of cool people. And uh, got a chance to see the other side of the business, man. Yeah. When you look back at it all, like, how you feel about it? Just how everything turned out for you from from childhood to going to high school, football, basketball, basketball, back to football, uh, the, all the picks, the the all-stars, just your whole journey. How you how you feel about everything now looking man, back on it? <clears throat> looking back at it, I'm so blessed. Like, and it's so funny because, you know, I've never, I've never been one to take credit for the interceptions. I always tell people I was just the worst one on the team. So they had to throw the ball somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they had to throw the ball somewhere. Like, I was – I mean, like, the lineup we had, especially in 06, like, we had a, a, a cast of all-stars in the secondary then. Um, I'm blessed. Although, I would give up everything. The games, the interceptions, the records, if I had a ring. I would give it up. I would give it all up, bro. I promise you. Like, I've never got a chance to play in the game was so close you know I, I know I, I think 
I blame myself for the B, losing to y'all in Calgary um, when y'all came to BC when I was at BC. But y'all game plan. I mean, shit. It was a perfect game plan. It's a perfect at 12? Game. Yeah. It's a perfect game plan. Like, and it wasn't even, it was two plays. You know what I'm saying? It was two plays. It was 31. Coach Mwamba gave up the opening touchdown when he no. was guarding. No, it was not Coach Mwamba. Who was it? Reddick should have been covering Marquay. Marquay started over and then motioned over. And this person motioned back. Zero, yeah, they were we, in cover zero. We yeah, y'all were in cover zero. zero. Uh, but Coachy didn't come over. No, you right. You know what? Riddick didn't blitz. <laughs> he guarded oh, some. Uh, he was on me, I believe. Okay. Right? Well, so it's uh, Reddick, we started off, I think, in three by three. And then Marquay yeah. came over to yep. make it a four by two. And Coachy yep. never came over. And it, Somebody got confused. Man, I'm telling you, I, think, I, I knew it should have been cover zero, but I then yeah, Reddick supposed to cover him. And can we fucking go in? There you go, KG. Because because you know we we were we were planning on playing against Drew Tate. Yeah, we were we was like yo we we gonna get Drew Tate. We gonna win this game. Then fucking Kevin Glenn, man, fucking KG, and then. Y'all came out there with Bo Levi, third and one, right? What do y'all usually do? Hand it off. What did I do? Mo Price. Fell asleep. I fell yeah. asleep. Thinking y'all were going to run the ball. That should have been a touchdown, too, though. They, they marked him at the one, but. Yeah. I, well, his knee was down. I got him down. And then that was that was one play. And then the pass interference where our feet got tangled up, they called a P.I. Yeah, and I thought that was pretty touchy. But Right. I mean, yeah. I, I, would, I wasn't one of them jam you up guys. Yeah, you know, feet got tangled. He fell. They they threw the flag, and I don't even know if y'all scored off that play. I think Corey Banks got an interception for a touchdown right after that. Yeah, or, you know, that what was mean? at the so, beginning. Yeah, Corey. Uh, you know, I, took, I, took, I took it upon myself. You know, what I'm saying I was. I felt like I was probably the reason that we lost. Whether that's true or not, but you know, what I'm saying that's two plays that I remember uh, back in my hand. But I, that was like game plan. That was a perfect game plan. You figure because every year. I have never fallen asleep, especially when y'all used to put Rambo over there. Ooh, yeah. you talking about somebody that don't get no respect? I just don't feel like he's mentioned enough. I think he's the best player I've ever, like, oh, the best oh. receiver. Because oh, he could man. run so fast. He could run every route in the route tree. His oh, stutter man. comebacks was oh, just – Oh, my God. <laughs> he, hit that, he hit that stutter and that knee come up. Oh. It's just like, oh, he out the gate again. Oh, he – oh, man. Look. It was two routes that scared me, and I never had to cover Kenyon Rambo. Never, but I always remember watching film on him with JY, and JY would always prepare for him. Like he would prepare for him. It was Kenyon's stutter comeback, and then I always got afraid that y'all were going to come at us, do y'all's curl, and then spin and take off on us. Oh, the little back. Oh, that spin move was so nasty. <laughs> I always thought I was, those were the two routes I was always afraid of. Other than that, like only because I knew y'all had the quarterback to get y'all the ball. Yeah. So when we played against y'all, I know I always, I always try to focus a little bit more because I knew like, besides Henry Burris, the only other quarterback that could throw really beat me deep was Michael Bishop, and he was on our team, yeah. right? So we only saw y'all two times. The way we used to game plan you was um, the five yard out, like we'd run two five yard outs on the inside, yep, and then run the go the route on route. the outside because you would always be peeking those out routes, like, oh, oh I'm ready to jump this out route. Yeah. 
and yep. we and we had Johnny Frizzani over there, and yep. I remember he got you one time for a touchdown. Yeah. But you know, there was only there's only a couple corners that you you know, like you're definitely one of the best. There's not a lot of people that can put up the numbers you put up and be consistent right. as you did in in the amount of time you did it in. Right. I right. appreciate that. I, um, you know, like, like eight. Always, think about this: eight picks in two. Well, I think it's two thousand six. You took yeah. four back to the house. And so it's so funny that you say that, right? And I, you know, Javon Johnson. I, I, I love corners, right? He's yeah. one of my favorite players, and I know that uh, he got the defensive player of the year that year, right? For eight picks, a couple two picks, touchdowns. But you know, I always tell people like I had that. I had that many. I had that in eight games. Yeah. Four for touchdowns, and the reason I, they said I didn't, I couldn't get defensive player of the year that year, <laughs> they said I didn't play enough games, so they gave it to Baron. But you know, Baron Simpson was there, and he had a fun yeah. time on the field, so I, I get it. Uh, it's nothing, something. It's not something that I'm heartbroken over. But the year that Jovan Johnson won the defensive player of the year, and no corner has ever done it ever before or after him, I had those same stats in eight games. Yeah, that he had in eighteen games. So. I got a question for you though. What's How that? do you feel about people complaining about the NFL going to eight, trying to get eighteen games? Um, I think all sports should. Um, I think everybody's bigger, faster, stronger. I think the NFL's in a in a way they they have to widen the field. You don't right. have to make it longer. You have to widen the field. Yep. Uh, there's no more lanes. There's too many impact shots, mm-hmm. and if you don't open up the field, it's just going to lead people to get hurt. Right. Um, I think that's how the CFL is able to play 18 games is because the amount of impact hits is not the same. Right. NFL is downhill. Yep. CFL is stretch. Yeah. Right. So you're not getting all the collisions that the NFL gets so you can play more games and, okay. and you get pressure. Right. But um, the downside of CFL is the O-line, D-line being a yard off the ball. You get bigger collisions there mm-hmm. on a – on a minor scale, right? So they're getting more collisions and it hurts them. But if you're a linebacker, running back, DB, receiver in the CFL, 18 games doesn't make a difference. Right. The NFL, those two games would make a lot of difference okay. that pounding on your body, right? And unless they open up the field, I think hockey needs to open up the ice. I think NBA needs to open up the floor. Okay. Right. I just think people are way too fast, way too strong, and, and way too athletic now that you have to start opening it up because, I mean, guys are taking two steps and, and getting blocked shots on three-point shots out the paint. Right. Yeah. Come on, man. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, like, you yeah. got to open it up more. You don't want to raise the rim. I think that's a bad wow. option. Yeah. But you want to you wanna be able to spray the court a little bit more, even if you make it, you know, two foot wider in basketball and uh, maybe five five to eight yards wider in football. Right. It just gonna open up the game a little bit more. Take away those. You run a slant now. Somebody's getting hit by somebody. Oh uh, right? uh, yeah, you dying. We're on the slant. Right. There's no more the catch tuck. It's catch bang. Yeah. On almost yeah. every catch now, you see somebody's in position to almost get hit, unless they're just open in the zone and the quarterback's outside the pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, any kind of other place, somebody's getting hit really within a step of catching the ball. Right. So you got to open it up, man. And I think that's the only way you're going to protect the players. Cause I, I equate it to, it's a gladiator sport. 
you can't dole the knobs and say somebody's not going to die in here. Right. right? You, right. you know what it is when you step on the field. Yep. So just go ahead and be the gladiator. But if you want to help us, just give us a little bit more room to work. Right. Okay. That right. Yeah. Right. If we got more room to work now, now I know I'm catching it and maybe I can brace and I don't take the same impact in the same right. hit. Yeah. Right. I think they went overboard with this targeting rule in college, kicking kids out of games. Yeah. Because, okay. you know, doing okay. all the, doing all the brain study stuff, you don't have to get hit in the head to get a concussion and right. you don't have to hit the head to get brain damage. So therefore you're kicking people out because of perception. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're perceiving the headshot is dangerous. Well, whiplash is dangerous. So if you hit me in the legs right. or hit me in the chest and my head goes forward, I can still get the same kind of brain damage. Mm -hmm. Right. So therefore let's stop with the perception and let's start with the education on how you can counteract that damage and you can come back and you can heal the brain and grow the brain, but quit kicking kids out of games. Now, if you right. want to say, you know, you hit two, if you get a guy like that twice and it's a intentional hit to the head and you are just reckless, I understand it. But a lot yeah. of these things, man, guys are coming down. Look at the guy get kicked out of the national championship last year. Right. Starting linebacker. Yeah. Come on, yeah. man. What, what for? Well, You're yeah. taking something away from this kid that he might not ever play in that game again. Never again. Never again. And you took something from him because of he's out there trying to play and provide for his – he's trying to provide, you know, further after sports. But he's he's living his lifelong – like, everybody wants to play college in a national championship game. Right, right. You just said you'd give up everything to go for a championship. You look at everything. the hit last night with the Giants. Uh, Bray ducks his head into the guy for the Giants – he gets a penalty. Yeah. It's overboard, right? It because what you're doing is you don't want to educate people. And we talked about at the beginning, education is the key. You would rather just play to the facade and say, we're protecting the players, but you can't protect the players. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Long answer, but. <laughs> no. Interesting, though, man. All, all of it's interesting, man. All of it's interesting. Man, I appreciate you for your time. You want to leave us any words, man, anything that you you learned through sports that it taught you in life and that you can help others with some of the knowledge of everything that you've learned through your journey? Yo, the one thing that I've learned, Nick, and it's something that I heard Orlando Steinauer say, or Stein, enjoy the ride. Man, enjoy the ride, man. No matter what, enjoy the ride. And, and I didn't understand what that meant until – my ride was over. You know what I mean? Enjoy the ride, man, and whatever it is. I mean, I know you're a dad. I'm a dad. And enjoy the ride. It's important. So yeah. important. You know what I mean? And be present in the moment, man. Just because, you know, we don't all, but a lot of us won't. We might we may miss the moment Yeah. If, you, if, if you're not present in the moment. So definitely enjoy the ride. Yeah, you definitely have an open mind to be able to switch that and, and to do what you did, man. It was a pleasure to compete against you. Uh, pleasure to have you on the platform today, the podcast, and and just hear some of your story and see how you're doing things. Uh, how could people get a hold of you on social media? And how could people get one of those shirts? Man, that shirt is fire. Yo, uh, okay. yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, Byron Parker 28. Um, easy to find. Um, all of my other social media platforms will be there. Hop Stock 28 is going to be my um, my foundation, nonprofit foundation. And you can find me online, 28designs.com. That's 28 D E S I G N Z.com. 
Um, I'm actually revamping my website now, so I'll be putting this up here probably in, in the next couple of days after I uh, do my schoolwork. Yeah, I like that, man. That's awesome. Appreciate man, it. I appreciate you for coming on, brother. Hey, man, Nick, keep doing great things, man. I appreciate you having me. Indeed. Well, this is another episode of the Lulu Logic Podcast, and we out.